Welcome to the Covenant Life Center podcast. We're so thankful that you chose to listen to this message. To get more connected with us, you can look us up on all social media at CLC Victoria and download our app. Now, here's this week's message. The scripture we're going to study tonight is John chapter 11. John chapter 11. And it's, it's a very common uh, chapter in the Bible. This is the story of Lazarus. Now, this story is one of the most epic tales in human history. I mean, it's a story of, of, of love and of loss, right? It's a story of triumph and disappointment. Really, the story of Lazarus is the story of life. And so we're going to jump in tonight. Uh, if you turn with me to John chapter 11, uh, verse 1, uh, it reads this, and bear with me. As you do see, that's not a typo. It's John 11, 1 through 44. So we're going to be going for just a little bit, all right? We're going to go on a little journey. But I think it's going to be worth it that when we study God's word, right, it's always worth it when we read the word of God. So it starts with this in verse 1. It says, a man named Lazarus was sick. He lived in Bethany with his sisters Mary and Martha. This is the Mary who later poured the expensive perfume on the Lord's feet and wiped them with her hair. Her brother Lazarus was sick, so the two sisters sent a message to Jesus telling him, Lord, your dear friend is very sick. But when Jesus heard about it, he said, Lazarus' sickness will not end in death. See, I don't know how depressed you might feel tonight or how defeated you feel tonight, but I want to encourage you, it's not going to end in death. It doesn't matter what you're feeling or what kind of circumstance you find yourself in. Let me encourage you tonight, as Jesus has said, it's not going to end in death because 2,000 years ago, right, our Savior died on the cross and defeated death and the grave, right? So we can have the truth on the inside of us knowing that it's not going to end in death. We might have problems, but it's not going to end in death. We might have fear, but it's not going to end in death. As long as we walk with the Savior on the inside of us, we're always going to have life on the inside of us. And it continues, he says, No, it happened for the glory of God, so that the Son of God will receive glory from this. So although Jesus loved Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, he stayed where he was for the next two days. Verse 7, Finally he said to his disciples, Let's go back to Judea. But his disciples objected. Rabbi, they said, Only a few days ago, the people in Judea were trying to stone you. Are you going there again? Jesus replied, there are 12 hours of daylight every day. During the day, people can walk safely. They can see because they have the light of this world. But at night, there's a danger of stumbling because they have no light. Then he said, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but now I will go and wake him up. The disciples said, Lord, if he is sleeping, he will soon get better. They thought Jesus meant Lazarus was simply sleeping, but Jesus meant Lazarus had died. So he told him plainly, Lazarus is dead, and for your sakes, I'm glad I wasn't there. For now, you will really believe. Come, let's go see him. Thomas, nicknamed the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let's go too and die with Jesus. You see, the disciples thought they, that they were about to go on a suicide mission. Um, but basically, because they had just left the area where they're about to go, and in that area, the Pharisees tried to kill him, and they barely escaped with their lives. And now just a few days after that took place, they're going to go back. And so the disciples were like, Jesus, what are we doing? We're, 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 we're going into 
danger, right? We're going to a danger. So some we're going walking straight into trouble. They thought they were about to embark. They thought they weren't going to survive uh, this trek. Verse 17, when Jesus arrived at Bethany, he was told that Lazarus had already been in his grave for four days. Bethany was only a few miles down the road from Jerusalem, and many of the people had come to console Martha and Mary in their loss. When Martha got word that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him, but Mary stayed in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. Verse 22, but even even now I know that God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus told her, your brother will rise again. Yes, Martha said, he will rise when everyone else rises at the last day. But Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. What Jesus was saying right there, yes, I know that, that because uh, Martha thought he was talking about like in the last days when we all go to heaven. He said, yeah, I know, well, I'll see Lazarus again, right? Who knows, whoever had lost a loved one, and one of the most common things people say to you, if they were, you know, if they love Jesus, were a Christian, they say, don't worry, you're going to see him again, Right? Don't worry, you're going to see him again. But what Jesus was saying, yes, I know that Lazarus will be in heaven, but I'm talking about when you have Jesus on the inside of you, you can have life today, right? You don't have to wait until you go to heaven to, to experience resurrection. You can have that today. And that's what he was telling Martha. He said, anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Everyone who, li- who, believes, who lives in me and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this, Martha? Yes, Lord, she told him, I have always believed you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one who has come into the world from God. Then she returned to Mary. She called Mary aside from the mourners and told her, the teacher is here and wants to see you. So Mary immediately went to him. Verse 30. I know we're almost done, guys. We're almost done. But I love this passage of Scripture. Verse 30. Jesus has stayed outside the village at the place where Martha met him. When the people who were at the house consoling Mary saw her leave so hastily, they assumed she was going to Lazarus' grave to weep. So they followed her there. When Mary arrived and saw Jesus, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and saw the other people wailing with her, a deep anger welled up within him, and he was deeply troubled. Where have you put him? He asked him. They told him, Lord, come and see. Then Jesus wept. The people who were standing nearby said, see how much he loved him? But some, but some said, this man healed a blind man, could even keep Lazarus from dying. Jesus was still angry as he arrived at the tomb, a cave, a cave with a stone rolled across its entrance. Verse 39, roll the stone aside, Jesus told them. But Martha, the dead man's sister, protested, Lord, he has been dead for four days now. The smell will be terrible. Jesus responded, didn't I tell you that you would see God's glory if you believe? So they rolled the stone aside. Then Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, thank you for hearing me. You always hear me, but I said it out loud for the sake of all these people standing here so that they will believe you sent me. Then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his head, hands and feet bound in grave clothes, his face wrapped in a head cloth. Jesus told him, unwrap him and let him go. Isn't that, isn't that awesome? I know it's long, but that's an awesome passage of Scripture. Turn to your neighbor and say the title 
for tonight's message, walking in the dark. Walking in the dark. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for bringing us together tonight. Thank God, I thank you for soft hearts and open minds, God, just to hear your son, just to hear your love and your compassion, Father. I thank you, God, that tonight can be the night when everything changes, when we set our lives upon to you, Father. I thank you for your spirit just pouring out tonight, and that tonight can be an anchor night where we plant our feet and say, God, I'm trusting you, and my faith's going to be ever directed towards your son. In the name of Jesus, amen. Before we get started, I got a quick story. Uh, so this is about a f- few years ago, and uh, if you know me, well, I haven't gone fishing in a while, but I, I used to go fishing a lot. I guess things got busy. I don't know. But about this is about three years ago, I went deep sea fishing with uh, my dad and my brother-in-law. Now, this was the second time I've ever went deep sea fishing, and I went um, deep sea fishing on like a little guy, on a, a guy there was about 25 other people with me, and it was in South Padre, which is a good drive, uh, but this was the second time we've been doing this, um, and the first time we went on this deep sea fishing trip, I mean, the waters were calm. The waters were calm, and this is an eight-hour fishing trip, so we go out, we're, we're with about 20 other people, and they take you about, uh, I don't really, I think it's like 30, 35 miles out, and then you fish for a few hours, and you, you go deep sea fishing, and the first time we went out, I didn't catch any fish. My sisters, who I make fun of all the time, caught sharks. And me, who fishes all the time, caught nothing. So I was really disappointed, and I wanted redemption. So, this, uh, so the first time we went, right, the, 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 the ocean was calm. Everything was smooth. Everything went perfect, except I didn't catch any fish. So the second time we went deep-sea fishing, it was just me, my dad, and my brother-in-law, Thomas. And uh, so we go, uh, we go out, make our way to South Padre, right? I take the... Uh, drama mean and, you know, take all things for motion sickness. And um, uh, I made the mistake, but I ate a very nasty Lunchable. I, I chowed down on like four Lunchables. Uh, there were those pizza ones. I don't know if y'all know what those Lunchables are, but there was those pizza ones. Like, I used to love those. And I'll tell you why I used to love them. But back in the day, I loved those pizza Lunchables. And so um, I had that. I was all ready to go. And we go out and we get on the boat. And I look and the water is kind of like wind like you know there's waves are, are large and and things don't really look like it, it's kind of dreary outside and and the boat's kind of shaking already just on the dock I'm so I'm like what's going on but anyways I, I didn't think much of it I was like you know I'm going fishing you know I'm gonna redeem myself so we get on the boat everything's going good and we're making our way uh you know out to the to the ocean and man I'm telling you, the boat's is going ooh, ooh, with the waves like back and forth and back and forth and, you know, I've never been seasick in my life. You know, I've never struggled with motion sickness. But I'm telling you, I was feeling it. I didn't know what I was feeling because I've never been seasick before. But I was, I was like, I just remembered feeling weird. I was like, what's going on? And uh, so I was just feeling weird, right? I didn't know I was feeling, I was getting seasick. I didn't know that at the time. And so we were making our way out there. And it was getting so bad where I thought we were going to turn back. Um, I guess they didn't want to turn back because they wanted our money, and they knew they would have to refund us if we turned back. So they just kept on going because the boat was going like this. I'm telling you, it was bad. And, uh, like, it got so bad, like, the boat would tip, like, so far to one side that you could, like, literally touch the water, like, if you're on, like, it was bad. So the boat's going back and forth and back and forth. And so I'm feeling sick, but I don't really know. I'm feeling, you know, I'm um, getting seasick. I don't really know at the moment. And so we're about an hour in 
into this eight-hour deep-sea fishing trip, just an hour in. And all of a sudden, it hits me. I'm out there, like we just got out to where you need to fish, and I dropped my first line, but I'm feeling terrible. Like, I'm feeling terrible, and that Lunchables is starting to come back up. And so I'm fishing, and, man, I'm just trying to, like, hang in there because I want to catch, like, and if you know me, I'm also pretty competitive, and so I don't want my, my dad or brother-in-law to outfish me, right? So I'm, I'm, I'm there, I'm fishing, and all of a sudden, this poor stranger, man, I feel so bad for him because he's just sitting by, like, I don't know, he's fishing by me, and I'm just going like this, and I just look at him, and I go, I'm sorry. And I just, like, threw up on this guy's fishing, fishing pole. The funny thing was that guy didn't even move. He was just, like, he was, like, frozen from, like, is this, is this really happening? Like, did this kid just throw up on me? And so I, I like, threw up. I felt so seasick. I don't know if y'all ever been seasick before. I don't know if y'all, but it's the worst. Like, it, you feel so helpless because, like, it, you, you, you feel stuck, like, the waves are not, because the waves aren't going to stop, right? The boat's not going to stop going back and forth, right? Like, you feel so stuck and helpless, and it's one of the worst nauseating feelings I ever felt in my life. It got to the point where, like, I put the fishing rod down, and all I could do was just lay down and try to sleep, because that was the only way I could, like, not feel sick. And even in my dreams, I remember dreaming I was on the boat going back and forth. Like, man, I can't, I couldn't escape it. And then is, I had to tough it out for another seven hours feeling seasick. I'm telling you, it was the worst. Um, my dad still makes fun of me for that to this day. And, um, but it, it, was, it was the worst. And, but I did catch like three or four red snappers. Like I, I chuffed it out and I was like, could barely stand up. I was like, I'm fishing, man. Like I could like barely hold myself up and I was able to catch a few. And um, so it was all right. But like, it was the craziest thing. As soon as I stepped out of that boat and onto dry land, it just went away. Like, instantly. It was a cra- one of the craziest things I ever experienced. But I was thinking about that story is that life can seem like that sometimes, right? Life can sometimes be tossing you around by waves of disappointment and doubt, right? Sometimes it can feel like you're so helpless in life, like when I felt on that boat. I felt so helpless when I was on that boat. I, I thought there was no hope. Like, I just knew that, right, I just felt so bad on the inside. But who knows life can be the same way, right? It can make you feel so helpless, sometimes being tossed around by the waves of, of, of doubt and disappointment to the point where, right, you lose hope that things will ever get better. And sometimes life can be like that boat. But how do we deal with that, right? How, how do we deal with things we don't understand? I mean, there's a lot of things, but how do we deal with things, like, how do we deal with things that, that, that make us lose our hope that we're going to get through, right? How do we deal with things that we don't understand? How, how do we have hope when you feel hope, helpless, right? How do you feel hope when you feel helpless? But Psalms 23, 4 says, right, although I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will feel, fear no evil, right? You know why he said that? Because we have something on the inside of us. We have the light of the world on the inside of us. And the title for tonight is Walking in the Dark because as long as we have the light on the inside of us, we have nothing to fear. Let me tell you, just like when, when, when nighttime strikes outside, it doesn't mean that the sun is gone, right? Right? When, it, when, it, when, when it's night outside, it doesn't mean the sun disappeared, right? It just means that sunrise is on its way. 
But I want to encourage y'all tonight, for anybody who feels like they're stuck in darkness, for anybody who feels like doubt is taking control or feels like disappointment after disappointment and the waves, are, they're, they're riding the waves at disappointment. Let me tell you, Jesus is on his way. Jesus is on his way. Because I'm tired of losing my direction when, when I'm in the dark, right? I'm tired of losing my faith, right, when, when things don't go according to plan. I'm, I'm tired of losing my peace when things aren't perfect. I'm done living my life based on outer circumstances, but instead let's live our lives based on an inner confidence that Jesus is Lord, right? That Jesus conquers all and that Jesus is the answer. Are y'all hearing me tonight? It's time to stop running from fear and start walking with Jesus. So poke your neighbor and say, no more running. No more running. And And this reminds me, of the story we just read. If you turn with me to, to John chapter 11, 9 through 10, a, a little passage that wrote, we um, just read, it said, Jesus replied, there are 12 hours of daylight every day. During the day, people can walk safely. They can see because they have the light of the world. But at night, there is danger of stumbling because they have no light. Jesus was trying to explain to his disciples, they're saying, it's easy to believe when everything's going according to plan, right? It's easy to, to follow after Jesus when everything's going perfect. It's easy to lift up your hands and say, thank you, Father, right? It's, it's easy to do that. But what about when things don't go according to plan? What about when you step into the darkness and all of a sudden you can't really see where you're supposed to go? See, we live in a dark world. But we're called to live, right, be the light of the world, right? That's what Jesus called us to be. He called us to be the light of this dark world, right? We're called to be the light of the world because of the Holy Spirit that lives on the inside of us. So the first point for tonight is don't let darkness cloud your direction. Don't let darkness cloud your direction. You see, darkness is the absence of light. But when you decide to take that step of faith and walk into what you into the unknown, into something that you don't, into the uncertain, you're not really stepping into the dark. What you're doing is that you're bringing light into the world, right? You're bringing light into the world. You're, you're, you're bringing God's glorious light into this broken world. Let's stop being scared of the dark and let the spirit rise up on the inside of us, a boldness of saying, you know what, even though I don't really know what I'm stepping into, I'm not going to let the unknown stop me from God's promises, right? I'm not going to let what I don't understand stop me from God's plan. See, what if we stop pushing people away who are different from us and instead brought them closer to us and say, although you have problems, guess what, I have problems too. And although we may not look the same or act the same, we have the greatest common factor, and that's that we have the same Father in heaven, right? What if instead of just pushing people away we don't understand, we brought them closer to us? Because who knows Jesus didn't push away. Jesus always brought them closer to him. Because I believe that's how we're supposed to be a light to this world, is not stay in our little circle, but to spread out and to go out and to love people, even people who seem unlovable, go out and love them anyways and spread God's light into this dark, dark world. See, 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says, walk by faith and not by sight. I'm no longer going to be limited by just what I can see. I, I want us to no longer be limited just by what we understand. 
See, right, God is a God who is abundantly says we can't wrap our mind around how much he knows. Then why should we limit ourselves to just how much that we know, right? Then we're cutting ourselves short, right? When they say walk by faith, not by sight, they're saying even though you don't really see what's coming, even though you don't really understand what's on its way, take that step anyways and trust that God has a plan for you. See, I'm no longer going to live in direction of this world, but in the direction that God's calling me, in a direction that Jesus is moving, in a direction that the word of God says to move, right? I know that sometimes it's dark, but Jesus said he gave us a lamp unto our feet. Who believes that the word of God is the only map that we need, right? Amen? Let's stop, let's stop living by fear and instead be directed by faith. Let's stop living by fear and instead be directed by faith. As we continue looking into this um, story we just read, in John chapter 11, 5 through 7, it reads this. It says, so although Jesus loved Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, he stayed where he was for the next two days. Finally, he said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. It's, it's, it's very interesting to me. It says, so although Jesus loved Martha and Mary and Lazarus, it said he stayed where he was. See, to understand what that meant, you got to understand the relationship that he had with Martha, Mary, and Lazarus. You see, when Jesus lived in Galilee, right, he lived in Capernaum, and any time, which is in the north, and any time he made his way to Jerusalem to speak God's word or to, you know, to do what God was calling him to do, any time he made his way to Jerusalem, he would stay in Bethany, and he would stay in the house of Martha, Mary, and Lazarus. You see, the relationship that he had with them was very special. That's why it says that Lazarus was a great friend of them because, you see, they had a personal relationship. It's kind of like when you look on, like, LeBron James, right? Like, you and I might say we know LeBron James, but somebody who's friends with them, they actually have a personal relationship. See, Jesus at this time, he was the superstar, right? A lot of people knew of him, right? And Lazarus, Martha, and Mary witnessed Jesus right, heal the blind, heal blind people he never even met, right, and all of a sudden Lazarus, this, this guy who was very good friends with Jesus, they say, hey, look, Jesus heals random strangers. How quickly is he going to run to heal Lazarus, right? See, when they sent out the message to Jesus saying, hey, Lazarus is sick, Jesus was, was less than 15 miles away. It says he was in an area called Perea, which was just 15 miles away from Bethany. So it was basically like from here to Inez. That's basically what the distance was from, from Jesus and from a sick Lazarus. It was just 15 miles. And it says that they, they sent out messengers to Jesus saying, hey, your friend, your good friend who you personally know, the person who lets you stay at his house and gives you a place to rest is sick, right? Only 15 miles away, and it says that God waited another two days before he made his way over there. We know that's kind of hard to understand. Why would Jesus do that, you know? A lot of times we, 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 we call out to Jesus, and it seems like he comes at the wrong time, or it seems like he comes too late sometimes, right? And so Martha and Mary, when they sent out this message, they said, Jesus is only 15 miles away. And so that was about 
a five-hour walk or like a two-hour horse ride. So they said at the very least, at the very most, right, Jesus is going to be here in five hours and everything's going to be okay because Jesus is on his way. This is what Martha and Mary thought. See, Jesus' close friends reached out to him for help, but he doesn't show up until two days, long after Lazarus is already dead. And in verse 21, Mary said, what did Mary say when he looked at Jesus? She told him, if only you were here, right? If only you were here, Lazarus would not have died. See, Lazarus means God has helped in Hebrew. That's what Lazarus means. But in that moment, it looked like God had forgotten about them, right? It looked like God had forgotten about them. But let me tell you, and the second point for tonight is a delay does not mean a denial. A delay does not mean a denial. Don't let your God-given dreams be trapped by your human-driven timing. I'll say that again. Don't let your God-driven dreams be trapped by your human-driven timing. It means just because it doesn't happen when you think it should doesn't mean it's not supposed to happen. I can't tell you how many people who come up to me and said, hey, I had this, like, you know, I was a Christian, and so what I wanted to happen didn't happen, and so I just thought it wasn't meant to be, so I just stopped. You know, it didn't happen according to my timing. It didn't happen according to when I thought it should happen, and, and so I just gave up. But just because it doesn't happen when you plan for it to happen doesn't mean it won't. What if when Lazarus died, Martha ran up and sent messengers back to Jesus where he was 15 miles away and said, hey, don't even bother coming anymore. You're too late. Lazarus is dead, right? He was sick. There was a little opportunity for, G- for you to show up, but you're too late, Jesus. Don't even bother coming. He's already dead. What if they would have done that? Right, Lazarus would have never been resurrected because they gave up on God, right? Never give up on God. I'm going to say it again. Never give up on God. Come on, church. Never give up on God. See, Jesus is never late. His timing is perfect because Jesus is perfect. And when his timing comes, you know it's the perfect season for it to happen because he knows all things and he sees all things. Why you have to trust the timing of Jesus is because he already sees the beginning from the end. And he already knows that perfect time slot when you need to receive your promise. So if we just walk into life with the fact that Jesus' timing is greater than ours, then we can't experience disappointment. Because we're not relying on our timing. We're waiting for God. Right? Amen? Amen? A delay does not mean a denial. Are y'all joined tonight? As we continue on, we just got a few more points. In John 11, it's the story that we read. It's in John chapter 11, 33 through 35, it said this. It says, when Jesus saw her weeping and saw the other people wailing with her, a deep anger welled up within him, and he was deeply troubled. Where have you put him? He asked them. They told him, Lord, come and see. In verse 35, then Jesus wept. That's the shortest verse in the Bible, verse 35, then Jesus wept. But the shortest verse in the Bible, right, it asks a very big question. Why did Jesus cry? Why, why was Jesus crying? He already told his disciples that he was about to resurrect Lazarus, so why was he crying? Right? What, 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 what's the point of it? 
If that, if, that, if that was me, I would have a little smirk on my face, right, watching all these people, you know, crying, and, you know, and I would have a little grin saying, these guys, like, they're, not, like, they're not ready for what's about to happen. I'm about to raise this guy from the dead. But Jesus didn't did that, do that. It said he was weeping. He was crying. Why, like, why was Jesus crying? He was, he was about to see one of the greatest miracles. He was about to perform one of the greatest miracles in human history. Why was he crying? Because point three, God's compassion is greater than your condition. God's compassion is greater than your condition. Because I believe Jesus wept not because of what he saw. He wept because he was looking at his creation. He was looking at these 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 human beings who he created in his image, who was never supposed to experience death. We were never supposed to experience disease or heartbreak. That was something that sin brought in. And Jesus is looking around at his creation, experiencing things they were never meant to experience, and he was crying because he had compassion for where we were. He had compassion for where we were at. See, Jesus sees where you're at, and he has compassion for where you are at. We see, when you realize that Jesus is it's not just a, a, a big God looking down on you from, from heaven saying, hey, man, toughen up. I know you're having problems right now, but toughen up. That's not our God. We have a God filled with compassion. He looks down at our situation. He looks down at our problems. He looks down at us, and he says, I see where you're at. I see where you are. And he has compassion. He has a heart of compassion for us. You see, no matter how dark it gets or how far away we stray, Jesus always has compassion for where we are at. Never think that your problems or your mistakes is too big for God. Never think that you've walked away too far or you've made too many mistakes in a row or that you're doing something that's too far gone. Always know that God's compassion is greater than your condition. There's no condition that you can have or experience that is greater than the compassion of Jesus. And once you accept that fact, that there's nothing I can do that can separate me from God, then you can realize that there's no room for shame in your life. Come on, church. God's compassion is greater than, than your condition. Jesus' compassion is greater than addiction, than disease, than, de than depression, than financial troubles. Whatever problem you have, know that God's compassion has already conquered it. Walk with that confidence in your heart, knowing although I'm in a season, God has already brought me out of it on the other side. I just got to make sure I'm walking with them. When I say walking in the dark, what I'm talking about is don't walk with your eyes closed, but step into the unknown, focusing on Jesus in front of you. Knowing that as long as I focus on who he is and let his compassion drive me, I know I can get to the other side. Come on. God's compassion is greater than your condition. Well, isn't that good stuff, church? Come on. See, there's a couple more points, I promise. A couple more. John 11, 39 through 41, as we continue just looking at this story of Lazarus being raised from the dead, said this in uh, verse 39. Roll the stone aside, Jesus told him. But Martha, the dead man's sister, protested. Lord, he has been dead for four days. The smell will be terrible. Jesus responded, didn't I tell you that you would see God's glory if you believe? So they rolled the stone aside. You see, Mary and Martha had doubts in their heart 
that Jesus was capable of what he was doing, but it says they rolled the stone aside anyway. They rolled the stone aside anyway. But can you trust, can you, can you believe God is going to do something even though everybody around you says it won't? Can you believe God is going to show up even though it looks like it's already over? That's what Martha and Mary did. Their brother has been dead for four days, right? They're at his funeral, has already passed, but Jesus showed up and changed everything. Let me tell you something. You've got to be willing to obey God even when everybody says it's over. And the fourth point for tonight is faith is being obedient during the uncertain. Faith is being obedient during the uncertain. See, when the enemy tries to attack you with confusion, right, you need to respond with confidence. When the, when the enemy tries to, tries to throw doubt in your heart, you need to respond with confidence of knowing that Jesus' truth conquers all. You see, God supplies the extra. You just got to make sure you bring the ordinary, right? And then that's how the extraordinary shows up, right? God has the power. God has all the power, right? God has it all. You just got to make sure you do your part. You just got to make sure you, you are obedient, right? Because that's what faith really is, is being obedient even when things look uncertain. See, Jesus had the power of resurrection on the inside of him, this boiling out, this waiting, this waiting. It was on the inside of him. But all Martha and Mary had to do was roll aside the stone. They just had to roll the stone away. So turn to your neighbor and say, it's time to, to roll the stone aside. It's time to roll the stone aside. It's time to roll the stone aside of doubt, right? It's time to roll aside the stone of uncertainty, right? It's time to roll aside fear and say, you know what? Even though these things are in my way, I'm going to trust that even though I don't really understand, I'm going to follow you anyway, Jesus. Even though I, it seems uncertain, I'm going to follow you anyways, Jesus. Even though financially it doesn't look like it's going to work, I'm going to tithe anyway, Jesus, right? Even though it looks like that, I, that my direction, it looks like I'm, I'm going to follow you anyways, Jesus, right? It's gonna, that's what faith really is, is that you're being obedient to the Father even when things look uncertain. you got to roll that stone aside. It's time to roll aside what's holding back your faith and step into the fullness of God. It's time to roll aside those things that you know is in the way of your blessing, right? Roll aside those things that you know that's in the way of Lazarus, right? God's trying to reach those problems, but you have a stone covering it up, right? You have a stone of doubt, right? You have a stone of fear, right? You have a, a stone of, I don't really understand what's going on right now, so I'm going to leave that stone protecting my problems, Right? You've got to be like Mary and Martha and roll that stone aside. Amen, church? Roll that stone aside. Will you all stand up with me tonight as I'm closing? The closing point tonight, it says, Jesus was not afraid of the darkness of this world because he knew who had the victory over it. See, Jesus was not afraid of the darkness of this world because he knew who had the victory over it. See, 2,000 years ago, Jesus went head-to-head -head with death and came away victorious. 2,000 years ago, Jesus went head-to-head -head with depression and came away victorious. 
2,000 years ago, Jesus went head to head with every problem, every disease, every addiction, and he came away victorious. See, church, your victory is in Jesus Christ. When something's in front of you, already know that you have the victory because of the person who's inside of you, because of the Savior who's inside of you. Your victory has already, is, is already a fact. All the enemy can do is try to throw lies at you. That's all he can do because he knows it's already over. He knows victory has already been proclaimed. The most the enemy can do is just plant lies, little seeds of lies in your mind. But if you walk every day knowing that your victory is in Christ Jesus, as long as you can stand firm in that truth, darkness can never overcome you. Our mission here at Covenant Life Center is to help our world live, give, and love like Jesus. If our ministry has impacted you in any way, we would love for you to email us at info at clcvictoria.org. You can get connected with us through our social media at CLC Victoria and download our app.